Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Romans chapter 8 is where I'm at today. Romans chapter 8. Bo reminded me this morning, how many, how many days have we been a podcast, Bo? 52-week podcast. So we are a year old. So if you happen to miss the message, if you um, would like to pass it along to somebody, we do have podcasts anywhere podcasts are available. Look up Wix Church of the Nazarene and um, smarty guy back there has figured out how to turn it all into a podcast. He cleans it up and makes us sound good, I guess. So... Make sure to share that. Also, remember to continue sharing on your Facebook page, even even right now. If you want to pull a phone out and quickly on Facebook, because I know that it touches so many people. You know, we did that during 2020 as a way to just stay connected, but you would be surprised at our online presence we have of people that still contact me, people that you don't ever see the face, but I get to have the conversations with. And sometimes that's because they see it on your page. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the wickedness of our sinful nature, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to the sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Lord, this is your word today. It is alive and active, and I believe you have a message for every person here and online with us, Lord. So we just pray that we will leave today different and changed because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So back in the 1930s, the majority of a heat source would be from coal. Anybody remember those days? Anybody want to admit remembering those days? I saw one hand up there. Um, and so maybe if you'll remember, one of the problems with heating your house with coal was the soot that would develop on the walls and on the wallpaper. I bet Miss Claudette would have a heyday. Miss Dorothy, you ought to have a heyday trying to keep that stuff clean. I'm just telling you. So there was this product. It was from the, the Kudol, K-U-T-O-L, pronounce it however you want to, product that they would use to clean the wallpapers. Now, it was a non-toxic, clay-like compound made from water, salt, and flour. Hey, teachers, does that sound familiar to anybody? So they used it to clean off the soot, to wipe down the walls, to roll it, push it, however they had to do it. But then in 1950s, the cells began to decline. 
Why? Mostly because the heat sources began to change over to gas or oil or other products that didn't cause this problem. Also, the wallpaper began to become more durable. You know, it was more of a vinyl product, so you could just take a sponge, water and soap, and, and scrub it down. So this product kind of lost its use. And the people that created this, Cleo McVicker, you know, they wasn't sure what to do. This was sort of the big income for this, this, um, this business. And then after he died, his son Joseph took over. And one day, Joseph's sister-in-law contacted him, and this was around 1955, and she said, Hey, I'm going to give you a suggestion on what to do with that product. She said, Maybe you need to start putting it out as a play product for kids to use. So he traveled down to her classroom to see what she was talking about because her kids were already using it. And he was so amazed by what he saw, he went back and began to reformulate just a tad. And Play-Doh was born. All the teachers just went, oh, really? Pat just made a face. What? Play-Doh is the best thing in the whole wide world. I'm just telling you. Um, just because you made that face, I'm going to make sure you get some. Hey, Braley, will you come be my person? She was like, man, I knew it. Everybody takes Play-Doh. They can't tell you no, okay? If they do, throw it at them. <laughs> I said that because I know Galen back there. He's, he's going, no, nah, I don't need no Play-Doh. He loved what he saw. The kids in this classroom, they're using it to, to build things and model things, and he loved that. But he still had the problem. He didn't want this to just become a product just for kids at school. He wanted to make sure that they could reach a bigger um, group of people. So now tell me what you think Play-Doh and ping-pong balls have in common. Does anybody remember a certain TV personality that would dump a lot of ping-pong balls down in front of him? Captain Kangaroo! So, Joseph knew Captain Kangaroo. I done forgot his real name. He's Captain Kangaroo. I love Captain Kangaroo, by the way. Um, so he contacted him and he saw, he told him what his product was. And so Captain Kangaroo decided that's the most awesome thing I've ever seen. So he began to once a week incorporate Play-Doh into his TV show. And that became the marketing technique that exploded what we know today as Play-Doh. And then about the 1960s, um, you began to have all the accessories. Who had accessories for Play-Doh? I never did. Like, I never did. Till I had kids, and then I began to buy all the accessories, right? In fact, I told Thomas, I almost, I almost bought the little um, dentist set the other day because it's what I always wanted as a kid and never got, you know. Um, but then... I think I've told y'all this before with Play-Doh. I have this OCD thing about not mixing the colors. So 
You know, like, I, I can't stand to mix the, my son drove me crazy because we had so many cans of brown and icky purple and it was because Alex mixed them all, you know, and mama would just throw those in the trash. Like, I couldn't stand it, you know. Um, we even have a game that we love to play called Splat and it's all about making Play-Doh bugs and, uh, I just love Play-Doh. Thomas thinks I'm weird because the smell I love the smell of... He said, woman, you got this funny thing about smells. Last week it's crayons and this week it's... I'm like, at least I never sniff glue or any kind of spray paint. That's all I can tell you. It was the good stuff, right? Just Play-Doh. This morning I was opening those little packages up and I was like, this is the best smell in the world. Paul, why was he writing to the Romans? He didn't plant that church, by the way. You know, a lot of times when we're reading the letters from Paul, it's because he's planted a church, he's familiar with the church. He didn't plant this church. In fact, none of the apostles did. It's believed that the Roman church was created from people who were at Pentecost who went home and took the message of the gospel and planted that church there. And so that's why when we read the letters in Romans, it's so detailed. Uh, If you go and you start reading through Romans, it's so very detailed that when I was a young Christian, I thought that to myself, like, why is he like starting from the very beginning and telling them, don't they already know this stuff? Well, this was his introduction letter to them. This was him introducing himself to the Romans. And so... He was including everything we believe. This is the faith we stand on. And in fact, we derive what we call the Romans road to salvation. Maybe some of you use that in learning how to share the gospel with people. And it's different verses throughout Romans that leads to salvation points. So up to this point, though, in in this book... Paul has talked about sin. He's talked about the law. He's talked about Jesus as the Messiah who paid for our sins, right? And the verses we're focused on today talks about what life is like in the spirit. Condemnation in that very first verse. If you look up the definition, says it's the expression of very strong disapproval. It's the action of condemning someone to punishment, to sentencing. And yet we're told here there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Many of us in here, though, today, and many of us online, we struggle with this concept. We think, we hope we're saved sometimes because we struggle Because we start thinking about things we've done, and we know we deserve that punishment, that condemnation from others, from God. We can't can't grasp how there could be no condemnation. Like, I know what I've done. But verse 1 says, there is no condemnation. Say it with me, church. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We have to grasp onto that today. That's the core of what Paul is telling us. You see, if you back up to the chapter before this, Paul talks about the struggle that we all have. 
Verse 14 in chapter 7 says, So the, the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. He said, I'm, I'm all too human and I'm a slave to sin. Down to verse 21, maybe we can relate to this. It says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Church, have you ever been there? Like, you make up your mind that you're going to do something right. The other day, I went to Walmart. Now, we know BJ struggles with this whole losing weight thing. And the whole time I'm shopping, though, I'm thinking, I just need to eat healthier, for one. Like, I really need to put more. And I'm buying things, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my Special K cereal. When I need to snack, I'm going to snack good. I'm going to control portion. You know, and I'm buying all this stuff. I made it out to the car with a pack of cookies that I ate on the way home. (laughs) I I want to do what's right, but I inevitably (laughs) am going to do what's wrong, right? We understand what Paul is talking about. He said, what a miserable person I am. And then he asked this question. He said, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? And death. We begin to see what he's talking about in verse 2 of chapter 8. And he said, And because you belong to him, Christ Jesus, he said, The power of the life given spirit has what? Freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So Paul says, we've all struggled with this. We all struggle with always wanting to do what's right, and somehow we still mess up. And he says, I I don't understand. I don't know how to break this power that sin has over me in my life. But verse 2 said, when I have Christ Jesus, I've been set free from that power. So when I was first saved in junior high, I didn't understand about discipleship and and the change that should take place in me. I just knew about the saving grace of Jesus. That's what had been explained to me. I didn't understand anything else. Then in college, I began to really walk my faith. And I knew that God was working in me even if I didn't understand it all. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what the plan was. But I knew God was trying to work in and through me. However, that voice inside of my head continued to remind me of my sin. My crimes that deserve the punishment, right? The condemnation. The things that I knew that I knew that I knew that I did wrong. I mean, even before we're Christians, there is born in us a natural right and wrong. So like we know, that's why even little babies, they give you that look when they they fixing to do something and they know it's a no-no, but mm, I want to do what's right. But man, that cookie looks really good, mama, and I'm going to grab it anyway, and I'm going to run, and I'm just going to hope I can eat half of it before you catch me, you know? Yeah. Dalton, you're not a baby. Quit doing it. He looked at him like, yeah, I just did that yesterday. (laughs) You see, even though I understood salvation... I had an enemy that kept telling me, but you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. Until the light switch flipped on 
in my head one day. Look at verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. In other words, he had the same kind of desires, the same kind of feelings. He felt just the same way you and I did. And in that body, in human form, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. The original Plato that we had was for cleaning the walls. This just a, I told Thomas, this was something, a hack I needed to know as a young mom because I could have really put my kids to work on busy work of just rolling Play-Doh on my wall. Go clean the walls for mama today, right? But then I said, no, Alex would have like smeared that stuff and probably put it in every crevice and I couldn't dig it out, right? But isn't that an interesting thought that it was created to clean and to make something new again almost, right? Kind of like today we have, um, what are those cleaning, Mr. Clean things? The magic eraser, there you go. This is the best Jesus I can do in like 30 seconds. Jesus is like that original Play-Doh, though. Are you making fun back there? Claudette, I need you to take notes and I need you to tattletale on the back row for me when class is over today. Thank you. (laughs) The dunce corner back there, let me specify with my baby brother back there. But Jesus, he's like that Play-Doh, that original Play-Doh. You know, there was a purpose. Our problem is we keep going back to the altar for the same things over and over. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? That... You know, sometimes we see it a lot in younger people, but it don't matter what age you are. You can be a young Christian. And we go back over and over. Why? Because the guilt in our head is still replaying. But does that mean that Jesus didn't clean it? No, he did. He did exactly of what he said he was going to do. But we keep going back. Clean me, Lord. I'm I'm dirty, Lord. Clean me, Lord. I'm dirty, Lord. Clean me. After what I considered that moment of conversion in my life that I remember so well, I don't can't give you a date, I can't give you anything like that, but I remember that moment in my room of accepting Jesus Christ. I kept going back and saying the sinner's prayer again and again. Oh, just every so often. Because I didn't go to church, remember? But I'd see things on TV. I'd listen to a, a evangelist on TV. And I'd sit and I'd cry and I'd say that sinner's prayer. Why? It wasn't for new sins. It was the same thing over and over. And I think... It's because we don't understand the full impact of what happens in that moment. 
Because it says the power of the life-giving spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death. But we don't cling on to that part. We don't understand the complete brokenness that happens at that moment when Jesus comes and begins to cleanse us, when we ask for forgiveness. And it said, it said in there, you see, the law could not do it. Paul talked about that in, in chapter 7. He said, the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual, it is good. You see, God gave us the law. The law was good. But it was never intended to save us. It was intended to show us. To show us we needed saving. To show us that we couldn't do it. It's the mirror. It's the reflection. Now, do we strive to, to be good and live by those at least the basic ten? Can we just do the basic ten? But we fail. We do. You see, the law was never intended to save man. I think sometimes we think of that. We think like, oh, well, the law just didn't work, and so he had to send Jesus. He always knew he was going to send Jesus. He knew. Under the law, you had to keep repeating the sacrifices over and over and over. Every year you had to shed blood to cleanse us of our sins. Why? Because the law couldn't save us. But Christ Jesus came. And living in the same kind of body as you and I, which means he was hungry, it means he had eyes to see someone of the opposite sex and had the same kind of desires, he kept the law perfectly. You see, sometimes I think we, we think about the cross and we think, wow, Jesus did what I couldn't do. It wasn't the cross that made his death special. It was the fact that he kept the law. And when he kept the law and was sacrificed as the lamb, that made the difference. Because guess what? There was two guys. Sorry, my T-Rex arm wouldn't lift. <laughs> I just, I just praise that I had an extra inch this week, but it didn't want to lift right there. These two guys, though, hung on either side. They died the same kind of death. What did they not have? They couldn't keep the law. Jesus kept the law. And therefore, his death changed everything then. It put an end. In that body, it says, God declared an end to sin's control. From that day forward, it means sin no longer can control you if you belong to Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus died once for all, and he said, it is finished. No more blood sacrifices from this day forth. I just dropped the last bit of blood that God requires for your sin. My sins are gone. Here's that light switch moment I hope happens in your life. If you've been running to that altar for the same thing over and over and over, your sins have been forgiven. 
Now, it doesn't stop Satan from reminding us of it. But the word tells me God has forgotten it. Like, seriously forgotten it. It's done. But also the the power and the pull that wants to bring it back has been broken in your life. And you need to grab that today. You need to understand that when the bottle whispers your name, you can call on Jesus Christ. When those, when those peels whisper your name, you can call on Jesus Christ. When that, when that desire to spew out retaliation to the people that hurt you, you can call on the name of Jesus Christ. You are not the same person. Who I used to be is not who I am. And praise God, who I am is still not who I'm going to be. Because God is still working. Verse 4, verse 4. He did this, why? So there has to be a why. And it says he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the Spirit. Do you see the change that happens in our lives? There has to be a change. Before Jesus came along, we followed our way. We did things our way. Doesn't mean it was necessarily even bad, but we still did it our way. After Jesus, we should be following the Spirit, listening intently to His voice, His Word, and following what He has for us. Look on, I didn't even share with you. Verse 5 and 6, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So if you don't understand yet that that power has been broken in your life, you're still sitting and thinking what you used to do and how good it might still feel to do it still today. But those who are controlled, you understand it's a control issue. You gotta give over control to the Holy Spirit. You can say yes to Jesus and still say no to the Holy Spirit. Doesn't work that way, but I'm still saying that's what many try to do. Because it says those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads where? To death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads where? Life and peace. Oh, who wants a little bit of that? Yeah. you got to understand, over in verse 12 it says, You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Oh, church, will you hear me this morning? The urges still happen. I don't care if you've been a Christian for a year. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. The urges to satisfy our desires still happen. Sometimes when I'm on Facebook, I I, I wind up laying my phone down. I tell Thomas, I just got to stop because I'm getting really close to posting something I don't think I should post. Them urges still happen. And I'm no longer obligated to follow through with it. That's why in Romans 12, later, Paul will say what? This is one of my favorite verses. Don't conform to the world any longer. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
You're not obligated to keep doing the same things. You're not obligated to even keep thinking about those things. You, you can bring every thought captive, as the Bible says. Now, when it comes to, to Plato, I love Plato. Man, I, love, I told those kids I was going to have more fun. It reminds me of what it is like. Instead of running to Jesus, because see, here's the problem. We run to Jesus over and over and we keep doing the sinner's prayer as if it didn't work. But what isn't working is you're not understanding. You're no longer obligated to keep living that way. You have quit giving control, or maybe you've never started, to just let God begin to shape your heart in a different way. To let God change your life in a different way. And sometimes when he's shaping our hearts and our lives, that's a change in friends. It can be a change in location. A change in your job because that's not a healthy place any longer. A change in just, we talked last week about our margin, our schedules. But you have to give control. You have to become the Play-Doh and allow God to begin to shape your life. So you see, sometimes where we feel stuck, it's because you've never taken that moment to let God control how you think. Let God change what you're doing. The things you used to do, it may not be what he has for you anymore. And that changes over a lifespan. I know if I was to uh, interview some of my older ones in here, my more mature ones, you could probably tell me different seasons of your life and how God has changed it. You're not the same Christian you was at 20 that you are at 70. Why? Because just like Plato, God is still shaping. Again, thank God I'm not going to stay the way I am today. He is still working on me. Last week we talked about living between the lines, having that margin. How many actually applied that, though, this week? Is this what you was talking about, Amy? Like, she wanted to know what I was preaching on today. Like, I don't know. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> that was a tough one, right? Like, how many of you, you thought about that message when something blew up this week and you thought, oh, I didn't have margin for that? Mm-hmm. Listen to me, church. I know what it's like to live stuck. Too often we are stuck between heaven and hell. What do I mean by that? Maybe we're not actually in hell. We, we've received Jesus. He pulled us from the, the pits of that. But I haven't really made my way to heaven yet because I haven't gave control. I haven't gave, given him control to create in me who he wants me to be. Jesus offers full forgiveness do we accept it? We don't understand sin's power has been broken in our life. Maybe that's you today. Maybe this is your light switch day today to understand this. It means you can say no and turn away. 
from what's knocking at your door. It means that you can stand up and say, this is the day I get help. Because see, there's, there's two different ways we get delivered sometimes. Sometimes it's miraculous, it's instantaneous, and it's, it's done. I never want to touch that again. And I know sometimes we struggle. But understanding that the power of sin is broken in your life means sometimes the courage to stand up and say, I need help with this. This is outside of my wheelhouse, and I need somebody medically to help me with what I struggle with. It means you can walk to your sink today and pour down the drain what you've been urged to take hold of. It means you can walk to the bathroom and you can flush whatever you need to flush down the toilet. doesn't have control over you anymore. Those steps can be hard, sometimes the hardest. But listen, church, now may be the really hard task because now relinquish that control and allow God to renew your mind and reshape your life. We keep coming to the altar and, Lord, help me, and I want to be different. But am I letting him make the difference? By listening to that voice that says, okay, but we need to do it different. Because you're really asking to be different, but keep everything the same. What's that definition? Insanity. Keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome? That's the definition of insanity. Put it where, I, I want you guys, you're, what I do with your basket? This is, this is not for you to give to the grands. So for the grands, I have a few extra up here and mamas are like, that's okay, we're good with that. I saw Jackie's smile on that. That's okay, we're good with that. This is not for you to give away to the grands and the kids. This is for you to take home, play with it if you like. If you like Play-Doh like me, it's a good stress reliever. (laughs) He's like, I like it. But I want you to put this somewhere that you see it every day. Because I want this to be your reminder to yourself, to remind you the power of sin has been broken in my life. And I wanted to remind you that, God, I want to be like this clay in your hands every single day. Lord, here I am. Whatever you want to change today, I'm going to be willing. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it. Doesn't mean it's going to feel good all the time. But I trust you, God. I trust that you have the best intentions for my life. I trust that you have a purpose for my life. I trust that who I am today is not who I'm going to be tomorrow if I let you change me. Put this where you'll remember that. Maybe that's in your vehicle. Maybe this is your reminder every day when you're putting on the makeup and getting ready to head out the door. Maybe it's on your desk at school, Pat. When the stress, I know you teachers. Y'all are already so stressed, aren't you? Ready, Ready for Christmas like nobody's business, I'm sure. Wherever you need it. And sometimes that is. Wherever your lowest part of your day may be, put it there. To remember whatever urges are coming your way, they don't control you. You're not obligated any longer to sin. 
Maybe it's by your Bible so that you remember God's mercy is new every single day. Even if I messed up yesterday, he still loves me today. And he wants to work in my life. Stand with me this morning, church. These altars are open. They've been open for a while. They just haven't been used a whole lot. I feel like some of you, and maybe this is online, and maybe you just need to say an amen today. Maybe you're stuck. You feel stuck between heaven and hell because you feel like you're constantly asking forgiveness for the same thing over and over. Today's your day to come to these altars and say, God, I give you control. Shape me. Mold me. Make me who you want me to be today, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today... Hands open to you, Father. Hmm. If someone here or or online with us today, if they've never asked you to be their Savior, maybe they, they heard today, they understood what you did. You kept the law perfectly and paid that sacrifice for us. Your blood was the last blood given for sins. But we still have to come and say, Father, forgive me. And I receive it today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to start with the first step. And maybe, maybe you've taken that step now. But maybe you feel like you're just sort of stuck there. Like, I, I don't know that I've moved from there. Today's that day to take that step and move towards the altars. That shows the sign of, God, I'm not in control of this anymore. I want what your word just told me, that I could have life and I could have peace. But we only do that when we're living in the Spirit. Father, let your Spirit just have his way with your people right now, each person receiving the message that you had for them through this this sermon. And I know that can be different for each of us here. Somebody, somebody just needed to hear that they're not obligated any longer to sin. They can leave here knowing there's a strength through the Holy Spirit living in us. We don't leave here alone. We leave with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with God living in us. And we can call on that. God, maybe somebody today, it's time for them to step up and say, I need help. I need to make that phone call. I know where to get the help. I just have never made it through the door. Today's the day. Today's the day. Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing what the law couldn't do. And thank you for doing what we couldn't do. And thank you, God, that you love us exactly as you find us. You don't ask us to clean up. You don't ask us to make changes before we come to you. You take us just as we are. God, I am so thankful you don't leave me that way. I am so thankful that who I was yesterday is not who I am today, and I'm more thankful it's not who I'll be tomorrow. God, as we leave here this week, may this message keep playing over and over. May may these little jars of clay... Remind us that you're the potter. We're the clay. Let us be willing to let you mold us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Church family, have a beautiful day with your family and go be a blessing to others today. Have a great day. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.